Hello, and welcome to the Christchurch Fox Chapel podcast, the fastest growing, conservative, evangelical, charismatic, angelican, is that how they say it? Podcast Anglican. in the entire universe, and I'm really <laughs> pleased to see you. We've right. expanded rapidly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Well, it's a time of growth, yeah. isn't Praise it, in God. the church? Praise God. Our, yeah. our passage today is uh, from it's from First. It is from First Thessalonians. Who knew? So it is. Uh, will someone read for us, please? It's uh, it's chapter four, verse thirteen. I will read for us. Got it. To, uh, verse thirteen to the end. Is that right? Uh, no, just well to the end of what? To the end of the chapter. Yes. I'm okay. sorry, I thought you meant like <laughs> the Bible. To the end of the universe. <laughs> uh, okay. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. When scripture is written to give us knowledge that we wouldn't otherwise have, mm-hmm. and, and Paul is making sure they're not uninformed uh, about uh, those who are asleep. And I think um, that's not talking about people who are asleep, is it? I think it's talking about people who are dead. Yeah. Yeah, otherwise it would be like he would have had to write the letter really, really fast because they might wake up in that <laughs> time. <laughs> Don't be grieving about the pre- Oh, never mind. We're good. So we, Steph and I were actually just talking about this the other day. We were talking to Sam, our son, about um, r- resurrection of the dead. And he was asking, like, really good questions for a five-and-a-half-year-old. And, and uh, we were talking afterwards about, you know, we're all going to rise again and Steph pointed out, like, I think we should probably avoid the language that the Bible uses about falling asleep, because then you don't want our kids to get mm. scared about sleeping at night. Like, and, <laughs> and I was like, that is why you have a good and unholy partner in marriage, because right. I would not have thought about that. I would have terrified my children by saying, well, those who fall asleep in the Lord will rise again. And You know the... Um, and you're going to die in your sleep, little kid. I, I actually, uh, I don't know <laughs> if this is... This, this, is related, but it. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to we used to uh, pray the bedtime prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Yeah, classic. That's a that's a classic one. Uh-huh. Yeah, they don't do that so much anymore. <laughs> I guess these days. But yeah, and I I like that. I think there's a lot we can pick up from the context yeah. of this passage too. Uh, it seems like Paul. We've read throughout this letter that Paul had to leave in a hurry and wasn't mm. able to finish the teaching of the full Christian doctrine. So they were left with some lacking. So like, yeah. people die and they're grieving without hope and they need right. some encouragement through the Christian doctrine about Jesus coming again. There's a lot of confusion. No, I think this is really important because he's not saying don't grieve. Yeah. 
And just pastorally, I think what I've seen around funerals and, and around folk beliefs to do with, with the time of death or a person who's died, I seem to basically have seen two things. Coming from England, in the Church of England, you have to do parish funerals of anyone who lives in the parish, regardless of their faith. Yeah. And, and so that's a law. The parish being... A like geographical boundary. block. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah or yeah. whatever. It could be yeah. whatever. So, you know, in my case, it was half a town. And um, you, you, know, you just come across people who probably have some very faint historical relationship with the church and some general beliefs in, in God of some kind, but a lot of real uninformed kind of ideas. And I, I, what I saw was that people fell into two categories. There were those who just denied death completely mm. and there were they would say look you know they've just gone on um you know death is not a thing at all where you're in the next room um and lots of euphemism kind of like paul's euphemism you <laughs> know sleep paul's. passed away passed on moved on mm. that kind of thing and so there's almost like a denial of death it's not real and then the mm. other approach would be a sort of a wallowing in just horror that this mm. this really surprising thing had happened that they didn't see coming, uh, death. And they were confronted by it. But um, you, 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 neither of those things is grief with hope. Yeah. There's either just the denial of death, therefore no grief at all, or there's the denial of hope, therefore no hope at all. And so it strikes me that Paul is saying something unique here that's, that's uniquely Christian. The grieving is real, death is real, the loss is real, um, the impacts are real. We don't have to pretend that's okay. Yeah. But the hope is real. Wow. And what is the hope? And I don't think they knew what the hope was. Yeah. I think that's the essence of the Thessalonian problem. They, they didn't know what the hope was. Yeah, it, it almost reads like they were expecting, um, like they thought all that the hope was was just that Jesus was going to, there was going to be like the end of the world mm in this generation kind of thing. Yes. Like, uh, we're all waiting on this this event to happen within our lifetime, and then mm. people died, and they're like, oh, well, they missed out on that. Um, right. <laughs> what becomes of them now? Right. And, and yet Paul's, like, pointing to something so much bigger. Right. So he's now talking, isn't he, about what happens? What's the pattern here? And the pattern is what Christ dies, Christ raises from the dead. Christ ascends, Christ gives us his Holy Spirit, and Christ will come again. Mm -hmm. And when Christ returns, then those who are dead will, will rise. They will resurrect too, just as he did. And then those who are alive, because there'll be people around who've not died yet, they also will come and meet him in the air. Mm. Uh, so that's what <coughs> he's saying. Meet him in the air? Uh, this... Yeah, that's worth diving into a little bit. It, yeah. it strikes me, though, that I don't think there are many places in the New Testament that talk about this ex as explicitly as right, right here. Right, There, This may be the, the most explicit uh, kind of rendering of, here's what's going to happen when Jesus comes back mm. in the entirety of the New Testament. That says to me that either Paul was just pulling this out of his butt and, <laughs> and making this up, because where else would this have come from? Or this is real divine revelation. 
Right. Like, how else would Paul have known uh, this wasn't in the Gospels? This wasn't, yeah. like, maybe the apostles passed this down, but uh, this wasn't in Jewish thought at all? Like, where else would Paul have gotten this from if not divine revelation right. from Jesus himself? Because this is new. This, is, this feels, to me, unique. And First Thessalonians, we actually know, was one of the first letters written mm. chronologically in the whole of the New Testament. Well before, written well before the Gospels, written well before some of the bigger letters, Romans and, and otherwise. First Thessalonians was one of the earliest. So, like, where'd Paul get this? Mm-hmm. Uh, other than, like, divine revelation from Jesus and the Spirit speaking through him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there, it, is, it is definitely, like, a, something more than anything. Like, you don't see any kind of anything this developed in the Old Testament or anything mm-hmm. like that. I, I would maybe want to say think that like the arrows are pointed in that direction but um that the old testament the hebrew scriptures are leading pointing toward this christ who comes and resurrects and then uh brings history to an end but it's but it's definitely like has this completeness that you don't see anywhere else um here's a can i ask a question of uh, of this to you, this text to <laughs> yeah, you all, yeah. uh, does this text prove uh, that the idea of the rapture, uh, where uh, the faithful are raptured up to heaven, where which is their final mm-hmm. resting place? I think this is part of where that idea comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the idea of a rapture that we know, like Left Behind series, I, I'm pretty so sure it's a fairly modern idea. Nicholas Cage, Nicholas, man. Oh, Steph and I had a drinking invented. game watching that movie. <laughs> it's, it's a great movie to watch with friends and alcohol. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad, um, <laughs> and there's some gems in the special features too. Uh, spoiler alert! You keep drinking yeah. like for the outtakes and stuff. Is it uh, just? This is getting more and more ridiculous, so yeah. it needs more and more company of oh, yeah, moderate yeah. portions of alcohol. Um, well, that, that, that idea, I think, is exciting. It is new. I, I think probably it's not only new, it's quite American. I think it's like 19th century American idea. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that it's inherently wrong just because it's American. I love America. Uh, just for the record, but, but we often look to like church history and like, is this idea time tested? It's not a global. It's a, it's a new idea yeah. and it's a regional idea. Yes, and that's those are two flags. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I think that's worth noting. Um, it, to me, this looks. I mean, this this is this is quite fast paced. It seems. I mean, uh, the way that Paul's describing it mm-hmm. could give that feeling. But um, Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Brackets dead. For this we declare to you a word from the Lord. We who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command. That sounds pretty quick. The voice of an archangel, the sound of a trumpet of God. Then the dead in the Christ will rise first. So that is dead Christians coming up. Yep. Then we who are alive, we're still around, so we get to see the dead Christians coming up bit. And I think this all sounds very quick. I, yeah. I don't picture dead Christians coming up over the course of 100 years. Yeah, but there is a succession, which he's very deliberate yes, about. Yes, there's a like, definite This order. will happen, then this will happen, then this will happen. Right. And but yeah, it does seem like this is going to happen pretty quickly together. And, and then 
we who are alive, who are left, there's that left behind, but left behind for how long? A minute, 10 minutes, we don't know. Yeah. But it doesn't sound very long because these other things sound in quite quick succession. We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Why are we being caught up in the air in the clouds? And I would go on to say, because he's remaking a new heaven and a new earth. Mm. So mm-hmm. then we all come to live together. And I've, I've heard it, somebody say uh, before, one of my seminary professors uh, noted that uh, when, a, when like the emperor was entering into town or something like that, uh, everybody would go out to the town gates and mm-hmm. uh, to, they would, you would go out to greet the coming yeah, the king. Uh, king. And so you you know you'd you'd go out and then you'd all come back in yeah. together. Yeah. So it, the text is Paul's idea here is not at all saying like we're all going to end up in this ethereal cloud space, uh, but rather right. we're going to gr- going up to mm. greet the conquering king who is coming down right. d- down. Yeah. I'm doing uh, quotation marks with my fingers, um, just as he went up right. uh, in the ascension. So. And is it is it water vapor clouds or is this the clouds of the presence of god yeah mm. the glory is often described as a cloud right uh, yeah so you meet so you go up there in the air to meet the lord and together you return to this new holy city the new jerusalem the remade earth heaven and earth fused the presence of god uninterrupted and that's an encouraging word yeah now, go on. well i it strikes me like we just had the Ascension, uh, the Feast of the Ascension, mm-hmm. uh, which I find remarkable as an event in history uh, mm-hmm. that Jesus literally rose up in the air and went up into the sky and said, see you later to his disciples. Yeah. Like, that is bizarre that that's part of our faith. Mm. And that in that, out of that, uh, Jesus comes to sit at the right hand of God, exalted right. and intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father even now. And so, and he came up there as a human, so... I mean, is it any more bizarre than ascension? the incarnation or the cross? I mean, yeah, and that's, what, that's the thing we take of, like, God has done bizarre things in history and uh, yeah. weird. But I, I find that one particularly striking. So this almost feels to me like our ascension. Yes. As we might quite... Because I'm struggling, like, is, is this something I take literally? Are, are we literally going to rise up in the sky and meet Jesus in the air. I, I don't know, maybe. But like, I'm taking if, Jesus, if Jesus literally ascended, which I believe, mm-hmm. then why would it be crazier for all of us then to literally ascend and meet him in the air as he's coming to recreate new heavens and new earth? Yeah, I, I just I, find that like uh, kind of crazy and a bit mind-boggling. But it's, mm-hmm. it's also a kind of a leveler between the dead in Christ and the alive in Christ. Yeah. Because where we're all headed to is this new heaven, new earth, uninterrupted experience that's physical and spiritual with us and with one another and with God. That's where we're all headed. And the distinction between dead Christians and live Christians, church militant, church triumphant, Mm -hmm. is that there's a variety of decomposed sort of states that these people are in versus us. Mm. Yeah. And we're headed towards something that's, that's unified and um, perfect in terms of its image of God. And so uh, it's a great leveler, isn't it? They get to yeah. go up first, we join them very quickly afterwards, everything gets fixed, and then we come back. 
That sounds very simple. And, and, and everything getting fixed happens as we enter into the presence of God. It's the, it's right. the cloud. It's the presence. It's the Shekinah, the, the holy, mm. yeah, the, the, thing the that glory of God coming down that's able to actually fix the world. And this is like such an, a gnaw, it's a, such a refutation of any kind of progressive way of viewing the world. Like, you oh, know, it's all getting better. any kind of idea that like we're, cr- we're crafting together a better society that's mm-hmm. going to solve humankind's ills uh, is like Paul has a very different way of seeing things than that. There's a definitive moment of recreation. And it doesn't come, come from us. So what, yeah. what I think is fascinating about this passage is that there's a very mechanical set of things described to us here. Lots of words describing, you know, as you quite say, radical things. Maybe they feel radical because we talk about them far less than the yeah. incarnation and the cross. But, but radical. Mm-hmm. And, but it's sandwiched in a sort of so what kind of language, right? Mm. So we don't want you to be uninformed. They don't know this stuff. Here is the stuff, right? Jesus was born. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus ascended. Jesus gave his spirit. Jesus returns. He pulls up all the corpses. He pulls up all the living. We meet him in the air. We come back, and it's time for a party. There's the really kind of basic gist of the mechanics of this thing. Lovely. We're going to fight now as a church about all the mechanics mm-hmm. because that's what we do. But we, we miss the point, which is this. One, do not grieve as others do who have no hope. Mm. And, and two, therefore encourage one another with these words. Yeah. So we miss the hope and we miss the encouragement. What is the hope? What is the encouragement? That's, yes. that's the issue. Yep. There's the preach, right? That's right. Uh, that, yeah, that's where it gets to. Like anybody, if you've ever encountered death before, which right. is m- many of us, uh, then I think that that hits me, I know, at a very like deeply um, existential level. Mm. Um, I had, when I was in seminary, we had to uh, work as hospital chaplains for a summer, and that was sort of my first like experience <coughs> coming face-to-face with death, and it mm. was overwhelming. It was just and it, it can be so, the hospital can be such a brutalizing and sad place. Um, mm. And yet, like, and the gospel gives you such a strong word of hope that this isn't the final reality. Um, it, you know, you, yes. uh, a, a room that smells like 409 is not like uh, the last thing that you'll ever see. That's the essence of our hope, isn't it? That mm. That the death is real. And the resurrection is realer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the, that hope empowers us to look at death and to face death with a, a courage and with the reality of, like, we're not trying to escape it. We're not, we're not trying to sentimentalize it like a lot of the culture really tries to do. And we try to encourage each other by these kind of vague sentimentalities of they're in a better place mm. or they're... They're stardust now, or or whatever. Oh yeah, things kind of just made up and <laughs> don't really have any substance. Like, it doesn't actually give real hope. No. Real hope can come through knowing that this person who died in Christ will rise again and will join us in mm. glory, and we'll we'll all be together with the Lord. That's real hope right. that gives us courage and strength and empowers us to face death in a way that sentimentality does not. And Paul says that. 
that you know, real hope is encouraging. False hope is, is discouraging. And yeah. we're all going to hope in something. Uh, and I guess, where, what is the hope if the hope is not in Christ? Yeah. Well, your hope is, is, is in the world then. Mm-hmm. We hope in, in all sorts of things, don't we? Idols. Idols. Cheap things. And it's so easy for us to get caught up with it. You know, I live, I have such a weird worship experience being in America because all the Formula One races take place on a Sunday morning uh, between the services usually. And, you know, so if it's a day of gloom, you know, I have to say, you know, my, my hope is actually not in a Formula One race. It's when in you, Christ Jesus. When you say a day of gloom, you mean Max Verstappen wins? I, I respect Max Verstappen, but I think, you know, Lewis not winning is a sad thing for oh, me. Yeah. And mm. um, likewise, though, if Lewis wins, if especially wins like a crazy race where he's been brilliant and it's going to be really exciting, Bye. I need to make sure that as I go to the next service, my joy is not in Formula One. <laughs> my joy is still in Christ. So, you know, like, and I know this sounds like a ludicrous thing to be talking about, but it just so happens that, that most of the results come out between the services, and I do look. And I don't worship sports. I don't worship that driver. I don't worship those teams. And, and good and bad results really have no bearing on, on my joy in the Lord um, as we, you know, do what we do on a Sunday. And... It's so easy to get sucked into hope in anything. Hope, I mean, hope in a sports team, that's a very banal thing to talk about. But we put our hope in material possessions, the success of our kids, you know, all sorts of stuff. Can you find courage and encouragement and joy when the things that you've been hoping in are taken away from you? Mm. You're learning well, I think. Uh, I guess we both are uh, from the Wolpian crescendo. You just oh. crescendoed that. Oh, you, you just crescendoed. I wonder why your arm is rising, and I, I thought because that's that's what the um, yeah that's what the that's that's what the Los Yetis are singing about. Their arms big in the air. And <laughs> is uh, it really? Yeah, uh, that's because they knew there was a crescendo. I think it's because they're charismatic. I, I, yeah, this is, I didn't. I mean. In my eyes, you're one of the most capable people I've ever met, but I didn't know you were capable of a Wolpian crescendo, actually. They're just... It was very abrupt. It was impressive. Uh, I'm really grateful that you could join us for this. Um, I didn't realize that I'd crescended, so I yeah. apologize for that. Wow, that was perfect. Thank you very much for joining us. This has been a podcast of the universe, and we'll see you very okay. soon. <laughs> no spiders this episode.